Today's show is sponsored by MongoDB. As a programmer, you think in objects. With MongoDB, so does your database. MongoDB is the most popular document database built for modern application developers and the cloud era. Millions of developers use MongoDB today to power the world's most innovative products and services, from cryptocurrency to online gaming, IoT, and much more. Try MongoDB today with Atlas, the global cloud database service that runs on AWS, Azure, and Google Cloud. Configure, deploy, and connect to your database in just a few minutes. Check it out today at mongodb.com atlas. That's mongodb.com atlas. Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delb and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome back to the Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. We are going to sort of split up the show. We mentioned last week that we're going to focus the show mostly on Amazon reInvent or AWS reInvent. Um, we're going to do the cloud news of the week uh, since... Uh, AWS reInvent tends to dominate the news of the week. We're going to uh, dedicate the Cloud News of the Week segment to kind of a little bit of an overview of the show or of the you know the event and some of the pre-event announcements. And then in the uh, sort of interview section after the ads, we will get to sort of the big announcements and sort of talk through what some of those are. So let's go ahead and get to the sort of Cloud News of the Week, the, the pre-show stuff and a little bit of overview of what we saw like in the keynote and so forth. So about 65,000 people in attendance in Las Vegas. Uh, I think last year the, na- the number they announced was around uh, 50,000 or so. So, you know, up, uh, you know, 20-some percent, maybe 30 percent or so for the year. Um, didn't hear as much complaints this year about some of the logistics. Uh, so maybe they, they work those things out. I did not get a chance to get out there. Aaron was out there. We will get some more feedback from him uh, as he gets back. He's still traveling. A um, couple of different things that we saw. Uh, you know, Amazon was coming, AWS was coming into uh, this reInvent, um, kind of it's, it's interesting. They, you know, in the past, it sort of come into it uh, with lots of momentum. Uh, obviously, their business is still growing in terms of revenue, uh, but in terms of quarter to quarter and year over year uh, growth rates, uh, they have begun to slow down. So whether that's a trend that we'll see for a while, if we're seeing sort of the law of big numbers, or if this is sort of a you know five six quarter dip uh, in in Amazon's growth rates versus. Uh, revenues, we'll see. So, um, you know, coming into that, coming in, um, having uh, uh, had the Jedi announcement, the big U.S. government announcement, go to Azure instead of AWS was uh, also sort of lingering. So it was very interesting. The the big theme that I saw from the keynote was uh, Andy Jassy sort of came out and and basically said, look, um, uh, you know, cloud computing is about big changes, uh, what it does for your companies, potentially does for your companies, potentially does in your industry or for your competitors are big changes. And the way the big changes are going to happen is they're going to happen top down. So essentially, he was making a very distinct call out to the CEO community uh, and saying, look, um, you know, if if you are not all in on the cloud, uh, in, in their case, all in on AWS, um, it is a indictment on CEOs. And in essence, what he was saying was, uh, you know, the people down below you, whether those are at the manager level, the VP level, the director level, the architect level, um, there are people out there who are dragging their feet and you need to get them in line. So that theme was, was kind of out there over and over again. He's making a big appeal to, uh, to CEOs um, to basically get his people in line, get their people in line, his or her people in line. So that was kind of a big theme overall. Um, 
We saw much more of an appeal to enterprises throughout the keynotes um, than we typically do. Uh, Not that we typically do, but we usually see more of a balance between uh, enterprises and startups, uh, much less startups, at least in the Andy Jassy keynote. Um, There's always a certain amount of startups in the Werner Vogel keynote. Uh, And then we saw this sort of interesting trend, uh, which is this weird thing that that is going on between uh, um, kind of leaders of business and uh, leaders of technology in, uh, in that Every time Andy Jassy would call out a leader from a company to come out, sort of a you know highlight a customer, if you will, um, they all came out dressed like Andy Jassy. It was a very weird thing. There was this common theme of uh, those those uh, men's sort of dad shoes, dad dress shoes that uh, Andy wears all the time. And now we're seeing CEO, CEO of Goldman Sachs, and CEO of other companies dressing like Andy Jassy. So there is this weird um, <laughs> CEO thing of I have to sort of kowtow to the leaders of technology. So anyways, uh, your fashion for the day. Uh, with that, um, there will be tons and tons in the uh, show notes that will go over all the things. We will put links to all of the keynotes, whether it was Andy's or the Monday night one that really talks about technology or uh, Werner Vogel's. There was one about partners. So all that stuff will be in there. We'll sort of wrap up the cloud news of the week as the pre-show stuff. And we will get to uh, kind of all of the announcements that went on. And, um, you know, it will be long. Will it be three hours? I don't know. You'll have to wait and see. Today's episode of the Cloudcast is sponsored by Datadog, the monitoring platform for cloud scale infrastructure and applications. Datadog provides dashboarding, alerting, application performance monitoring, and log management in one tightly integrated platform, so you can get end-to-end visibility quickly. And it integrates seamlessly with AWS, so you can start monitoring EC2, RDS, ECS, and all your other AWS services in minutes. Visualize key metrics, set alerts to identify anomalies, and collaborate with your team to troubleshoot and fix issues fast. Sign up for a free trial today, and Datadog will send you a free t-shirt. Visit datadoghq.com cloudcast to get started. That's datadoghq.com slash cloudcast. And we're back, and we are now going to sort of jump into the meat of what got announced at uh, AWS reInvent. So uh, here's how I'm going to go ahead and sort of structure this, um, because we don't really want this podcast to be three hours. Um, Congratulations to Andy Jassy for having the stamina, the focus, um, (laughs) the sort of technical capability to talk for almost nearly three hours straight with just a few breaks between, uh, you know, bands playing dad rock and a couple of customers come on stage. But we're going to try and uh, condense this. Hopefully it'll be less than three hours. I can't guarantee how long it will be. We're just going to kind of cram through a lot of them. We are not going to read every single announcement. Um, You know, if you follow AWS, uh, you know that every time there is a new feature in AWS, they make a press release. Um, obviously, they they sort of save a bunch for reInvent, but they do them throughout the year. We're, we're not going to hit on the, um, you know, there is a new uh, region of where something was announced that's been around for five years. You can go read through those. We will have those in the links and in the show notes. We're going to kind of hit on the brand new stuff. And some of this stuff is new in GA, some of this stuff is new in beta, uh, but this is sort of the new stuff, not the sort of incremental stuff on things that were already built. So kind of got to go through those. Um, first one that, that jumped out, and uh, this one wasn't exactly sure where to put it, um, was around quantum computing. So we're going to start with quantum computing because quantum computing has become the new Bitcoin and it's become the new thing that every really large computing company has to do. They have to say they're the best. Um Google and IBM came out a month, month and a half ago. Google claimed something called quantum supremacy. IBM announced uh, another huge investment and a quantum computing center and some availability. Uh, Microsoft made some announcements at uh, Ignite around quantum computing. 
And uh, Amazon, of course, having to uh, make sure that they are in the quantum computing space, made kind of three big announcements um, in quantum computing. Uh, the first was what they called Amazon Bracket, uh, B-R-A-K-E-T. We will all end up spelling it wrong. Uh, Bracket is basically a managed service for quantum computing. So you want access to a quantum computer, uh, you will have access through the Amazon Bracket service. Uh, they announced something called the AWS Center for Quantum Computing, which is a partnership with them and Caltech, uh, the ability to... Um, come and work with uh, quantum experts. So customers can come and work with quantum experts. And then something called the uh, Amazon Quantum Solutions Lab, which is sort of the ability to ask questions and sort of collaborate uh, around expertise around quantum computing. So how many people are experts at quantum computing these days? I'm not sure. Um, you know, places like MIT and Caltech and are, are very, very smart and fine uh, academic institutes, I think, are, are obviously ramping that stuff up. Uh, but quantum computing is going to be the new uh, thing that you must talk about, uh, and we'll figure out what use cases come along after that. So quantum computing was sort of the first one. This was actually announced just before the show kicked off. Uh, and so that's out there. So that's a thing. Um, okay, so I'm going to kind of go through some stuff. I'm going to kind of go through these uh, bundled together. Um, if you try and get through the AWS announcements, um, for some odd reason, Amazon doesn't group them together. Um, they just like to throw stuff out there and let you sort through them as you go along. So I'm going to try and sort through the new stuff kind of bundled together in areas of functional stuff. So the first one is not really a, an area of functional stuff. They announced something called the Amazon Builders Library. And this was sort of an interesting thing. They announced it uh, a little bit later in the week, uh, midweek. Basically, it is their collection of kind of their thoughts on how to do things. So it's uh, reference architectures, best practices, but also kind of their general thinking about how does cloud computing work, uh, what goes on behind the scenes and how they build things. You know, I think this is their opportunity to, you know, A, build on their theme of, of builders. Um, you know, they don't like talk about architects or engineers or whatever, like talk about builders. So this is their builder library. Uh, but yeah, a lot of stuff in there. Um, this is a chance for them to, you know, kind of show off their technical chops and, and have it in a written way as opposed to, you know, people maybe getting enamored with, hey, that's what Google does. And Google cranks out stuff as open source. So kind of a way to counter that. Um, Okay, let's talk about the actual announcements in the functional areas. So we're going to start with compute. Uh, the first thing that they came out and announced uh, really took a big shot at Intel, um, announced something they called the new EC2 Graviton 2 ARM processors. So a lot of focus on ARM processors, um, them being uh, potentially 40% um, improved price performance. Uh, a number of ARM processors were announced. So it was very interesting, uh, really right out of the chute, um, Amazon made a big push uh, against uh, Intel. So still offer uh, Intel CPUs and so forth, but it's always interesting to kind of watch the keynotes and figure out, you know, who are they going after? Whose business are they trying to take? Um, Intel was first and foremost on the bingo card in terms of being on the crosshairs. Uh, the second thing, and this sort of fits into the category, and there'll be a number of these throughout the podcast of, gosh, I would have thought they already had those things, uh, was something called the Amazon EC2 Image Builder. So there is now a service to help you better manage how you build EC2 instances. Uh, AMIs, AMIs, however many syllables you want to include in that, uh, the Image Builder service is now out there to help you better build and secure and track and uh, you know tie into your pipeline um, your EC2 AMIs. Third on the list was... Um, what we're going to call what they call AWS Compute Optimizer. And this is an interesting one. Uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, they announced a service that was going to help you with price optimization, um, sort of a, a hit on the companies that 
have for a long time, you know, gone out and offered sort of pricing optimizations, you know, uh, how to better manage, manage your um, reserved instances and all those sort of things. This is really looking at, are you utilizing your compute instances in the best way that you can? So uh, the previous announcement, I'll go look up the name. It's in one of the previous show notes. Um, this is around, are you using the best instances that you can? Are you using them as efficiently as possible? Which is sort of an interesting thing. It's uh you know, for years and years, 10 years plus, they never focused on trying to optimize your price and they never focused on trying to optimize your utilization. Uh, but again, those are conversations that, uh, you know, enterprises are deeply going to have and they want to know because they don't have nearly the expertise in some cases that startups have. So interesting to see that built in now. Um, so we're going to move along to what we're going to call outposts. Uh, you can think of outposts was an announcement of um, Amazon basically saying, yes, the cloud doesn't necessarily exist only in Amazon's data centers. It can exist outside of Amazon's data centers. So for a long time, they uh, didn't want to talk about anything outside of Amazon's data centers as being the cloud. Um, obviously, last year, they announced Outpost as a uh, preview, tech preview, beta, whatever you want to call it. Um, this is basically um, Amazon dropping racks of equipment um, somewhere. Uh, we'll talk about what I mean by somewhere. Uh, that could be in your data center. That could be in an Amazon-ish sort of colo. Um, it could be in a telco 5G sort of edge space and so forth. And this is basically Amazon services where the control plane still lives up in the public cloud, uh, still controlled by Amazon. The compute resources and the services that are those resources, compute and storage resources, uh, now live on these edge things. So um, that becomes GA. That was very sort of interesting. Uh, last year when they announced it, they made a big deal to announce that it was going to be both a AWS version and a uh, VMware version that were going to come out for Outpost. The VMware version did not make GA as of this announcement, and it was going to be sometime in 2020. So very interesting to see that that did not get prioritized, given how much uh, Pat Gelsinger has been on stage the last couple of years, you know, kind of touting how much, um, you know, VMware, uh, you know, was now sort of in love with, with AWS. So um, that was announced. It's supposed to come out sometime in 2020. Don't know if that's Q1, Q2, second half of the year, uh, but interesting sort of watch. Uh, the second part of that was something called AWS Wavelengths, which, again, I mean, I mentioned Outpost in places. Uh, one of the places they wanted to highlight was uh, was called um, uh, Wavelength, which is they brought out uh, Verizon kind of touting the things that can happen in the 5G network for Telco Edge. Um, outposts will be kind of the compute resources that are out there. And then there is some uh, some application code and some um, application-centric things that they're trying to do with the Telco world to try and help optimize applications that can be built at the edge and the types of things that will happen at the edge, and whether it's caching of data, whether it's localization of data and applications, um, whatever those might be. So Wavelength is sort of the project around that. <laughs> okay, moving from sort of pure compute into containers, uh, a couple of announcements around containers. Uh, the first one was um, Amazon has always had a couple of different ways to run containers. One was called ECS, uh, Elastic Compute Service. One was called EKS, Elastic Kubernetes Service. Uh, and then there was something called Fargate. And Fargate is sort of, uh, think of it as um, ECS and EKS are kind of manage your control plane uh, for whether it's Amazon containers or Kubernetes. Um, and then you either could manually manage your compute resources and storage resources, uh, you know, from a capacity management, storage management, uh, security, OS, all that sort of thing. Or they had a thing they called Fargate, which they like to call serverless containers, whatever. Um, but basically, it was like, don't worry, we'll take care of it. We'll take care of load balancers. We'll take care of capacity management. And in the past, EC, 
uh, ECS was the only one of those that worked with Fargate. And so now Fargate now works with EKS. So, uh, you know, Fargate being the, again, serverless for containers, uh, Amazon's terms, um, now works with both ECS and EKS. The other thing that was sort of interesting, um, and ECS has always been sort of more advanced in terms of capabilities, uh, at least from an Amazon perspective, um, in terms of their, their multiple container offerings. Um, they offer something now called uh, ECS capacity provisioners, or, I'm sorry, uh, capacity providers. And what this means is they're able to sort of mix and match the different types of compute resources or different types of pricing models or um, management models. So you can now manage sort of EC2 instances or Fargate instances. You can manage spot instances, reserved instances, kind of all under ECS. And you can mix and match them. And the system is getting a little bit smarter to sort of recommend to you what type of compute and what type of managed compute you should have under the cover. So um, I imagine if that got announced this year with ECS, maybe a year from now or so, we will see that with, with EKS as they start to blend those two kind of control plane systems and ability to, to manage the compute part of it. So a couple of interesting announcements around the container space. All right, moving along. Um, one area that they spent a lot of time on um, was SageMaker. And for those of you that aren't familiar with SageMaker, maybe you're not in the AI space, this was their way of trying to uh, make TensorFlow uh, simpler to use, um, the, the tools from Google, but also just ultimately trying to make AI for the masses easier. And um, it's interesting because there was a lot of buzz throughout the year, really for the last 12 or so months, that maybe Amazon or AWS was going to get in the low-code business, right? They've never really had a, a PaaS offering or a managed offering. Um, you know, to write code was, you know, kind of complicated. And there's been a whole industry that sprung up called low-code, which is basically like, how do I take somebody who has, you know, logic skills, a business analyst, or, you know, somebody who's not a coder per se, and make it much more granular, much more, I'm sorry, much more visual, much more drop and drag. Um, and so there was a lot of buzz that they were building this low code thing. And they didn't announce a low code thing, but what they did announce, and I think this may have been sort of the foundation of what a lot of the buzz was about, was a lot of things around SageMaker. And what they ultimately spent a lot of time in the keynote talking about was how do we democratize uh, AI? How do we make it simpler, essentially citizen AI, right? We've, we've heard of citizen developer for a long time, but sort of citizen data scientist. And so there was a lot that went on around SageMaker. A um, couple of announcements. Uh, first and foremost was what they call SageMaker Studio. So think of this as kind of a full suite of uh, graphical tools um, to be able to do everything from, uh, you know, collecting data, uh, building your models, training your models, testing it, pre-data, post-data, kind of one place where you could bring all of this visualization, all of the graphic graphicalization of how you want things to work all into one place. So um, really, you know, kind of trying to define the experience of what, uh, of what AI looks like, especially AI for advanced data scientists, but also for the masses of data scientists. So that was kind of a big deal, uh, kind of an integrated IDE for everything you're trying to do around AI and ML. A um, couple of things they announced that we're getting into the weeds a little bit, um, something called SageMaker Debugger and SageMaker Processing. So they want to expose the debugger uh, in much more detail than they ever had before. A lot of times in the past, AI and ML were kind of a black box. Um, this is going to expose... Uh, using the debugger, uh, better understanding of sort of how the models were built, how the models worked, um, what the interaction was throughout this. Again, this is probably something for the more seasoned data scientist really trying to understand what's going on. And then the processor uh, processing piece of this was they talked about, well, you know, 
you would do pre-data or post-data kind of separate from some of the other things, the training and so forth. Again, this is all trying to bring these into one consistent model. Um, and it really was sort of interesting to watch uh, Amazon talk about how much of TensorFlow, which is you know very much considered kind of a, a crown jewel of you know open source that Google has created and really talking about how much they've adopted it on Amazon, how much it runs on AWS and so forth. So um, it is it was sort of interesting to see Amazon do that with a couple of their different competitors. Um, obviously, they like to talk about we don't we don't think about competitors, we don't talk about competitors. And then this year, they probably spent more time than they usually do talking about Oracle and Microsoft and IBM and Google and several other competitors. So obviously, the business is getting much more complicated and much more competitive than it's been in the past, which we all know because we live in the real world. All right. Um, the next thing that they do did, which I thought was sort of interesting, um, there was a number of things. If any of you follow either the Exponent podcast or you subscribe to Ben Thompson's uh, Strategic Stratechery, Stratechery, yeah, Stratechery newsletter, um, you've known him for a long time. So Ben is a huge sort of analyst follower. Uh, you know, follows the Amazon space, follows the whole internet space for the most part. Does a really good job of analyzing things, and he's talked for a long time about how. You know, in a lot of cases, because of how big Amazon, the parent company, has become, and because of so many things they have to do at their scale or what they try and do to innovate, that they will often build capabilities that eventually they will realize, oh, okay, not only are these capabilities that we've optimized for ourselves and become experts in, but these are also things that we may want to offer back as services, managed services back to the world, and maybe we'll offer them out through AWS. So there was a number of things that they announced that sort of fell into this category. And, and they've never really done this a lot in the past, but they started to do it a little more in this show. And again, kind of hat tip to, to Ben Thompson, um, Strategery, uh, Stratechery uh, newsletter, I'll put that in the show notes. Um, a couple of things they announced. First was something called AWS Local Zone. Um, AWS Local Zone uh, is, from a technology perspective, the focus was if I need to have access to the cloud to do really low latency types of, of transactions, right? Um, so things that have to happen really in fast time. Um, and it was interesting. So I think for the most part, the technology, the hardware of this will end up being an outpost. Um, they talked about they're going to bring local zones to selected locations, selected cities. And it was interesting that they dropped this first one in Los Angeles. And you think about, okay, well, what's in Los Angeles? What's unique about Los Angeles? Well, it is the media capital of the world. And obviously, we're seeing the media world explode with all the streaming services happening. Amazon, obviously, with Prime and them getting into movies and so forth, uh, is a big player in that. Uh, I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to attract uh, a lot of the local studios and so forth that need that processing power. So it's very interesting. They announced local zones in Los Angeles. I suspect this is a service they have been offering behind the scenes um, for the people that are working with Amazon in building films for Amazon Prime and Amazon Distribution. Um, but uh, I suspect this is them trying to make a play into this whole huge you know, cord-cutting streaming space and trying to really um, be next-level attractive to uh, some of the studios um, that are, you know, trying to, to go after this huge amount of money that the Netflix and Disney's and Amazon's and Hulu's and HBO and everybody else is is now throwing at the the media industry. Uh, there's probably also a gaming aspect of this as well uh, that's in there. The second one that they did was something called uh, Amazon Fraud Detector. And Fraud Detector, in essence, is them saying, hey, um, you know, dealing with online fraud is really hard. Um, it requires a really big data set to do this. We, Amazon, have been doing this for 
you know, years and years, decades. Um, so if you can bundle up your transactions, send them all to us, we will build you fraud detection models. And this was sort of a really interesting thing because on one hand you go, yeah, for lots of companies, maybe this is sort of interesting. Um, it is sort of odd that you would convince companies to just send you your transaction data. Um, I suspect a lot of this stuff is potentially already getting built into places like Shopify and other online services. I mean, obviously, all the major credit card companies do it in massive real time today and and others. So, you know, this was one of those ones that you're like, yes, I understand this is a service you offer. And the question becomes like, uh, you know, it's, is it interesting technology? Do you trust Amazon with all your transactions when in many cases in the online retail business uh, or in really any online transaction business, Amazon is also one of your biggest competitors. So it does get into a sort of an interesting situation. And the last one was, um, and again, I, you know, this is my sort of suspicion that um, these are part of Amazon, the bigger company, and they're now being offered as a service, uh, was something called Amazon Contact Lens for Connect. So uh, Connect being uh, you know, kind of the call center services that they've been putting together, um, not necessarily as one thing, but kind of different pieces and parts. Um, this basically is doing uh, sentiment analysis and, uh, you know, trying to understand sentiment trends, compliance of customer conversations, improve customer feedback. Um, obviously, Amazon has a huge uh, call center that, that deals with all the transactions they have. Um, they're now trying to make this something that you can plug into your call centers. So again, a service that I suspect Amazon has been refining for years and years, uh, using things like Alexa to do sentiment analysis and all sorts of stuff. So maybe a potentially very, very interesting way for them to continue to be in the call center business or contact center business that's always traditionally been uh, you know, tied much more to sort of telco equipment providers or Cisco or other people like that that have been in that space. All right, let's kind of get back into uh, a little more of the hardcore uh, technology stuff. Um, There's a little bit that was announced around databases. Um, they did make a really big push about um, there is no one database that people use anymore. There are maybe five, six, eight, ten different types of databases from um, you know relational databases, non-relational databases, time series, um, you know all sorts of things like that. And obviously, if you've been following the Cloudcast for a while, you know we're sort of fascinated by you know all the different types of databases. We've tried to cover them quite a bit. Uh, we're trying to expose you more and more to different types of databases, and we appreciate all the different companies that have come on. A couple of announcements they made, um, and this sort of again falls into the category of like I would have sworn they already had this um, was something called Amazon RDS Proxy. Um, an RDS proxy, um, fully managed, highly available database proxy for Amazon RDS. So, um, you know, anytime that you have databases that are managing tons and tons of concurrent transactions, um, you have keys involved with there, this is sort of a way to use proxy technology to move some of the sign-on, some of the key management out of the database, uh, move it into a more centralized service. This, again, will integrate with SSO and IAM and things that Amazon provides as well. Just, um, you know, one of those things, again, I kind of thought they already had the service, but uh, this is sort of new. The next one, um, kind of, again, fitting into the database space, um, they have been, Amazon has been building uh, managed databases for a long time. Um, this has created sort of, you know, uh, a lot of opportunity for customers to use managed databases. It's also created a certain amount of um a little bit of ill will, if you will, uh, towards especially the open the companies that are based around the open source technologies, um, and they announced managed Cassandra. Sorry, managed Apache Cassandra. So um, you know, I guess DataStax is probably the most well known company in the Apache Cassandra space. Um, you know, they will now sort of have to deal with uh, you know what 
what people have been dealing with on Elastic and Mongo and a whole bunch of other things um, you know that have been out there for a while. So just fills out more and more of the database space that Amazon offers. Uh, I'm sure there have been lots and lots of companies that have run their own Cassandra. Um, there was sort of an interesting thing, and I'll try and dig it up on Twitter, um, kind of people talking about you know, the difference in pricing between Amazon's managed database services, especially in the early days and some of the, um, you know, companies that run managed databases uh, on Amazon, you know, kind of a big pricing discrepancy there. But again, you know, as Amazon learns more and more about how you run your databases, they typically, you know, start to integrate storage better, they integrate backups better, they integrate uh, IO performance management better, and uh, they start to bring the cost prices down on that. So again, always interesting to see Amazon expanding the database space. Um, you always wonder, why did they start doing this now? Well, it probably means they're seeing more and more of this type of traffic uh, running on Amazon uh, as they, they do have visibility of the types of things that you do. All right, what else do we have on the list? We talked about a lot of stuff. Um, there was a couple of last things that I kind of wanted to highlight. Um, and again, there are dozens and dozens of things that have been announced. We're not really hitting the uh, you know, the kind of incremental changes. There was a couple of other ones that I thought that were sort of interesting. Um, they announced something called Amazon Kendra. Um, it was sort of funny to watch the number of people online that talked about the lack of female presenters <laughs> in the keynotes and some of the things. Um, and yet, you know, Amazon does like to name a number of their services after females, whether it's Alexa or now Kendra or other things. Um, anyways, no commentary on that. Um, but uh, yeah, Kendra basically was was Amazon saying, hey, we're going to use uh, AI and ML to better do enterprise search. So interesting that after maybe 10, 12, 15 years of Google had previously tried to get an enterprise search. Uh, wasn't terribly successful. They were trying to you know, put boxes uh, on premises. Um, is we're now seeing uh, Amazon trying to apply AI and ML to enterprise search, which is continues to be a massive, massive complicated thing for anybody that works in a large enterprise trying to find data that is in dozens and dozens or hundreds of data repositories. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how well this worked. They did talk about a number of customers who are already beginning to use it. And the final thing that was on there, uh, and you know, sort of putting security last is a, a terrible IT trope, uh, kind of throwing it in there last, but just happened to work out that way alphabetically. Um, they announced something called Amazon Detective, which is um, basically the way it was described as a new service in preview that makes it easy to analyze, investigate, and quickly identify the root cause of potential security issues or suspicious activities. Um, I suspect what this is, is they are sort of tired of people having data breaches that ultimately, in many cases, um, result from uh, people having unsecured S3 buckets. Um, and they just said, you know what, we're, we're tired of that. People, customers are tired of that. We are going to build a service that will go out and look for uh, unsecured stuff that you have configured and try and either fix it for you or recommend it for you. So, um, you know, in, in the light of things like the Capital One breach, I'm sure this became a bigger thing to, uh, to sort of prioritize. So I don't know, that's exactly why they did it. But obviously, we hear all the time about breaches that just happen because something was left open by default, and people forget to turn on the security stuff or, you know, just fix the breaches because it's one more step where it's complicated. So with that, um, we have gone for a long, long time talking about all the announcements. We didn't go three hours. I don't have that much stamina as a podcaster. Congratulations again to Andy Jassy for uh, pretty amazing um, keynotes every year. People are always amazed at uh, how long he goes, how much depth he goes into. Um, you know, like I mentioned, we will put tons of things in the show notes. I will put uh, links to our um, you know, kind of our show notes of show notes. Uh, so if people want to dig into it, have one place to go dig into it. But uh, yeah, that was the show. So it was a, um, 
again, a successful show uh, that, you know, continue to grow in terms of revenue, not necessarily in terms of uh, pace of revenue, continue to grow in terms of people that are attending the event. Um, there were a number of very big announcements. Uh, well, I say big, I mean, you know, incremental announcements about how they're partnering. Uh, it was interesting that um, Andy also took a kind of a shot at traditional SIs and talked about how um, you know, they're seeing more and more new types of SIs, SIs that are really specifically built around the Amazon model of how they build things. And, um, you know, that's normal. You see ecosystems kind of cluster around where there's gravity. Uh, but, you know, there were a number of, of partnerships announced um, in, again, cons- uh, specific types of verticals, whether it was like further into um, what were some of the things like 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 security and defense and some other areas? So, uh, you know, we're seeing not only the number of customers grow, but we're seeing the ecosystem around it grow, um, you know, and it's what you would expect to see when you have a, a market leader and people who are following the money. So with that, uh, another successful year at AWS reInvent. I will get some feedback from Aaron as we do the year-end wrap-up shows here in the next couple of weeks, his views on, on reInvent. And with that, everybody, thank you for listening for this very, 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 very long podcast. Um, we appreciate you listening in. We appreciate you telling a friend. And with that, we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 